Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss California failing to pass a universal healthcare bill, how excessive social media use can have physical consequences, and a study to help heart disease in older patients. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 123. That's right. 123 from the week of February 7th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Albert Battistelli. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is H02.209. Unspecified lagothalmus, unspecified eye, unspecified eyelid. Mm. Yep, that's right. You heard it right. Unspecified eye, unspecified eyelid. Don't know what eye, don't know what eyelid, but... It is a lagothalmus is an incomplete or defective closure of the eyelids. Oh. Uh. Which eyelid? It could be any eyelid. could be any eye. So whenever you see someone who is sleeping and their eye is a little bit open, mm. that's what it is. Yeah, that's they have lagothalmus. We've figured it out. We've, we've, we've done we've it. Solved the mystery by George. By George. But yeah, that's neat. So anyways, let's get into the news. First up, we have universal healthcare bill flop. A bill that would have created the nation's only government-funded universal healthcare system died in the California Assembly Bill last Monday. Intense lobbying from business groups put pressure on more moderate politicians who faced tough re-election campaigns this year in newly redrawn districts. The biggest hurdle to pass a universal healthcare bill is cost. A study of a 2017 proposal for universal healthcare in California estimated it would cost billion, which is about $356 billion today when adjusted for inflation. Meanwhile, California is expected to account for about $517 billion in the healthcare spending this year. For comparison, California's entire state operating budget, which pays for things like schools, courts, roads, bridges, and other important services, is about $262 billion this year. Wow. So this is an update from episode 120, which was just three episodes ago, where there's two bills filed, one that would create the universal healthcare system and set its rules, and the other would lay out how to pay for everything by raising taxes on some wealthier individuals and larger businesses. The first bill got a hearing last Tuesday before the Assembly Health Committee. Because the proposal was introduced last year, it must pass the state assembly by the end of January to have a chance at becoming a law this year. The plan for universal health care requires at least two-thirds vote in both houses of the state legislature. After that, voters must approve it in a statewide election. So, so lots of a hurdles lot of passing that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Albert, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's uh, disappointing, I think, that for some people that it didn't pass, but that's a that's a lot of spending there, especially when you consider the entire budget for the rest of the st- for the state is 262. Asking for 356 would be a huge, huge increase in their budget. So I don't know. I mean, I suppose they'll figure out ways to try to pay for it and maybe pass some kind of version of it down the road. But I'm sure there's a lot of like advocates for universal health care that were disappointed. Agreed. I mean, it's expensive. That's what it comes down to. There's also politics. Yep. So, you yep. know, as they say, stuff doesn't get done. Et cetera, et cetera, drain the swamp, things like that. You know, that's the kind of conversation that we don't have on this podcast because it's not political, but it's still good that's to true. know what's going on in the government that affects healthcare. So it is true. There you go. 
All right, next up, we've got study connecting social media to physical health. A study published in the Journal of Cyber Psychology, Behavior and Social Networking found that participants who use social media excessively had higher levels of a blood protein that indicates chronic inflammation. The protein found, the C-reactive protein, CRP, can be used to predict the development of illnesses such as diabetes, cancer, and cardiovascular disease, according to the study. The results were collected through blood samples and questionnaires. People in the study who used social media more also reported more headaches, chest and back pains, and trips to the doctor. The lead researcher stated that the study doesn't mean that social media is all bad. Negative impacts are likely dependent on how people use it, who uses it, and why people use it. The research suggests there is a potentially negative cycle where people who use social media excessively or as a coping strategy experience worse mental and physical health. So yeah. I think about this all the time. Like my stress levels are higher when I'm on social media. Also, like True. my neck hurts more because I'm looking down at my phone. Um, True. So I could totally see how mental and physical health would be affected by I social feel like media. This, I've had this, I've had the similar, uh, we've had similar stories like this on this podcast before because it's a real thing. And now I just think what it is is before people were kind of like, hey, I think social media is kind of making me feel sad. And then a bunch of people were like, hey, I also agree with that. And then it got to the point where everyone felt that way. And right. now institutions that are scientific are like, hey, let's figure out if there's actually something that happens in a negative way of, on social right. media. So, yeah. So interesting. We'll see how this stuff develops. Yeah. Um, C, reactive protein. They should just call it creative. They really should. That would be That's hilarious. Pretty sweet. That's pretty cool. Creative. That'd be, that'd be pretty neat for sure. Next up, preclinical study for heart disease. A University of South Florida Health preclinical study found that protein C, parentheses APC, may improve aging patients' tolerance to reperfusion injury, a potentially adverse effect of treatment for oxygen-starved heart disease. Hmm. The research published online in December 21st in Circulation Research suggests that drugs derived from APC may limit this oxygen-starved heart disease and reperfusion-induced heart damage and therefore could help preserve cardiac functions in older hearts. This disease is often caused by a buildup of plaques in coronary arteries that narrows the vessels and restricts the supply of oxygenated blood to the heart. This hardening of the arteries can eventually trigger a heart attack, which is not good. Blood thinners, clot buster medications, and other drugs as well as procedures are commonly used to restore blood flow to oxygen-starved mu heart muscle tissue. These treatments can worsen cellular dysfunction and death around the site already damaged by a heart attack. APC, a protein circulating in blood, has both anticoagulant or blood clot prevention and anti-inflammatory functions that can help protect cells from disease and injury. That was a mouthful. That was a so, lot. That was very, very, very uh, detailed and scientific. <laughs> so while I was reading that, the reason why I didn't say the disease name is because it's called ischemic heart disease. And at the time I was reading off the script and I couldn't figure out how to say it. So I just kind of rolled with oxygen starved, which was in parentheses next to it. So that's just a little bit of a disclaimer. Obviously we're not doctors. Ischemic. Um, yeah. Ischemic. Yeah. Ischemic. I think it's ischemic. It's ischemic. 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 Whoa. 
So what's your big takeaway from this one, Albert? Well, I mean, it's always good that people are studying heart disease. It's like the number one, like, killer. Every time you see a list of, like, top, like, reasons for, like, uh, causes of death in the United States, it's all, like, heart disease is always one or two. Um, it's usually number one. So right. I think anything you can do to, like, find ways to, like, prevent hardening in the arteries or any sort of, like, buildup of plaque, that's good. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure. Like, this is very scientist scientific so i'm not 100 percent sure whether you know the science is promising or not but it's good to know that they're like focused on it because mm -hmm. i mean it really does hurt like affect a lot of people annually so anything they can do to, to learn you, more you know, we might not be we might not know the layman albert and i may not know that much about what's happening in this particular story but the big takeaway is healthcare is so super micro specific that Patients don't know it, but a lot of this could be a huge breakthrough study, right? Yeah, so. that's great. And with that, let's go to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H, Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. Albert, what is it? All right. Ripta, R-I-P-T-A, getting ripped apart. <laughs> The data breach at the Rhode Island Public Transit Authority was larger than previously thought. At a Senate Oversight Committee hearing last Monday, the agency shared documents with legislators that revealed as many as 22,000 people were impacted by the breach. This includes 5,015 RIPTA employees and 7,000 Rhode Island residents. Previous letters sent in December by RIPTA to potential victims of the breach only included the original 17,000 estimate. The breach occurred in early August of 2021, but letters to those potentially impacted were not mailed until late December. RIPTA Chief Technology Officer Gary Jarvis testified that part of the reasoning for the delay was a limit on the number of staffers who could review which files were compromised. According to Jarvis, the hackers were able to steal approximately 40,000 files, which included Excel, PDF, and text documents, by compromising administrative accounts that had been assigned restricted access. Never good when your breach gets bigger than you thought. <laughs> like, a breach is yes. always bad, but it's even worse when you're like, oh, these are the numbers we're reporting, and then it comes to find out later, oh, actually, there's like 5,000 more people. Right. Exactly. Not good. Not good. Um, I like that the headline was great. Um, right. In terms Ripta. of the, uh, the files affected here, it's not as many as we were usually used to. Um, That's but true. It is the public transit authority, so... What's crazy is it's it's kind of a municipality, right? Right. So, I honestly think that municipalities we're going to see a lot more breaches out of them because they're just you know they're funded by the state, so there's a lot of it's hard to get funded, so they're not going to have the best tools. Yeah. In, in cybersecurity, you essentially have to have the most updated security all the time and security practices all the time, otherwise you're just going to get breached. And I think that we're, this isn't the this isn't the first time we've seen a municipality on this podcast, but it's definitely not the last. Oh, absolutely. All right, next up, Red Cross in Aussie potentially breached. The Australian Red Cross has warned its clients that they may be affected after its parent company was hit by a major cybersecurity incident. The Australian branch of the International Committee of the Red Cross, or ICRC, said it's contacting clients and reviewing its local systems and services. This follows the compromising of personal data and confidential information of more than 
515,000 highly vulnerable people who have been helped by the ICRC. The Australian branch said that there was no indication that any personal information has been deleted or tampered with. The Australian Red Cross also said it was notified by the ICRC on the 20th of January, 2022, so very recently, of a cybersecurity incident relating to the Red Cross movements restoring family links services and related services. The ICRC said that the data originated from at least 60 Red Cross and Red Crescent national societies around the world and that it remains uncertain if the compromised data has been leaked or publicly shared. Huh. So Red Cross, yep. not a municipality, but yeah. a nonprofit. So a nonprofit, a right. That requires state funding. Yep. Kind of. Right. So. Still needs to beef up their security, clearly. Yep. Yep. And it's in Australia, too. So, crikey. Crikey. Indeed. I mean, at least it looks like they're getting ahead of it. They're alerting people about it. They're doing the things they need to do. But, again, it's always better to be prepared ahead of time rather than having to do damage control. Right. Exactly. All right. Next up, British military personnel information exposed. The personal data of 4,142 children and families of serving United Kingdom Armed Forces personnel was exposed last year in a data breach at the Ministry of Defense, MOD. An email address associated with MOD schools was compromised for a 72-hour period in February of 2021. The breach was revealed in the MOD's annual report and accounts 2020 to 2021. The report stated that the breach leaked information of children attending MOD schools. It remains to be seen what course of action the MOD will take to remedy the situation. So this is pretty vague. Some things happened. Some stuff was breached. It was not revealed until their annual report came out. And then even now, it remains, what, it remains to be seen what they're going to do. So nobody seems to be like about this yeah no I, I agree that's it's like hey something right might have affected our kids maybe but eh, we're just gonna hang out we're just gonna, right. let, we're gonna, let, it, we're also, gonna let it roll we're also gonna bury it in this annual report like <laughs> and we'll leave it up to the media to determine whether or not it's a big deal right it's exactly. picked up maybe but if not whatever whatever so, all right, interesting. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. Further developments, so. perhaps. Right. Maybe we'll follow up on this story. Yep, indeed. And that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Albert Battistelli. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Bandage Podcast produced by eTactics.